The following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. The views expressed on the show are those of the host and solely of the host. For more information, follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. That's on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I have a special presentation here for everyone. This is some bonus content. This is an episode of the Parking the Bus podcast that aired on a Sunday night, July the 19th, 2020, where I go around the world of football with different types of news in regards to television, um, streaming, all kinds of stuff. If you like this episode, okay, I ask that you go to the PTB Soccer Network channel, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, or by going to www.anchorfm forward slash PTB Soccer, the Parking the Bus podcast comes out every Sunday night, all right? So every Sunday night, 8 p.m., you can count on the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please subscribe. It's available on the PTB Soccer Network ad-free for 30 days. So what that means is every time I drop an episode on the PTB Soccer Network, that episode is ad-free for the first 30 days that is on the network. Hope you enjoy the show. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast here on the PTB Soccer Network. I'm your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agostino. And how is everybody doing this week? Another action-packed week of football around the world to talk about at your new Sunday night home for football. That's right, right here every Sunday night, the PTB Soccer Network will bring you the Parking the Bus podcast. I'm going to start the podcast off tonight with a little bit of good news, okay? Um, for those of you that follow this network uh, and have followed my Mr. Portugal pod, uh, my Mr. Portugal podcast, that project, you know that I was... I had the intention and the plan of covering Portugal's 1984 run in the Euro. Euro 84 got through one episode in the first match and then Disaster struck. Footballia.net. That's right. www.footballia.net. F O O T B A L L I A.net was taken down, it seems. Um, I was not happy. I was very worried. Uh, Footballia is. An amazing resource, and I am happy to be a subscriber, a paid subscriber to it. It's not expensive. It's in, it, it's quite uh, affordable, considering the endless library of, of football matches they have on that website to watch. Well, they got into some trouble with some third-party uh, rights owners, and um, Footballia believes, and their lawyers believe that they're well within their rights. What they're doing is protected under EU law. And um, apparently somebody, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't know if they got hacked, if they got taken down, but uh, they were down. But fortunately, just a couple of days ago, on Friday, good news came out as footballia.net now had a message on their page saying that they would be moving soon, but they would be back, which is great news for all the supporters of football, yeah, all those who love classic football and who love to watch old matches as much as I do. Um, there's such a um, 
an invaluable resource for that and it looks like they are building a new website somewhere else and if you are interested follow footballia at uh, on twitter uh, at footballia that's at f-o-o-t-b-a-l-l-i-a the number three at footballia three on twitter for the latest on footballia's new location and when they will be launched once again but they said that their first house was built out of straw this next one will be built out of bricks and the mister is very happy to hear that all right the next thing to talk about today is mls is back and lackluster TV numbers for MLS is back. This does not surprise me. Now, before I get thrown to the wolves of the MLS fanboys and the the diehard MLS uh, supporters that that are you know MLS versus the world and everybody else is a Euro snob, blah blah blah. Listen, I'm just I'm just talking about what's happening. Okay, Major League Soccer has the U.S. sports market to itself now. It's not competing with anything. They're playing at 9 in the morning, and they're playing at 8 and 10 at night, Eastern Time. They're competing with nobody for viewers, okay? And they have one one match in the top 10, in the top 10 soccer uh, matches viewed for, for the week, the weeks from July the 8th to July the 13th that week. Not a good showing at all for MLS's back. Um... Not not good numbers on ESPN or Fox. Okay, this is not good considering they're heading into a TV deal, uh, which they need to come out looking good from, uh, as they need more distribution, they need more income, especially now with uh, who knows when stadiums will have people in them. And MLS is a league that is run very much by a, the gate, more so than the television market, because the television product does not do well. Nobody can deny that. I don't care how diehard of an MLS fan you are. You cannot deny that on a national scale, that league does not do well. Okay. That league is not getting a million viewers for very for it's very rare. Maybe the championship, the final, gets a million viewers here or there. If you don't have a David Beckham or a Zlatan Ibrahimovic in the league to draw extra eyeballs, it's 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 very difficult. Especially, it has an advantage where it's being broadcast in two languages, and it's still not hitting those numbers. Um, Concerning, absolutely concerning, but I'm at a point where, you know what, MLS has chose its path and has chose to run its league a certain way. It has chose to turn its back on hardcore football fans. There's no question about it. MLS wants the casual mainstream sports fan in this country, okay? Their coverage of the of the sport is lazy. Their coverage is it lacks depth, okay? It does not speak to the hardcore football fan. It figures that the hard for, hardcore football fan in this country is in their stadium or it's beyond their reach. Um, it looks at all of us as Euro snobs, I believe, and... And following too much of the model of the NFL, I think, and it makes um, it's no surprise considering the commissioner came from the NFL. And I just made a few notes here, and it's just, you know, MLS has a good fan. It has a strong fa- fan base, but it's a diehard small fan base, okay? And it's not a national TV audience. Its fan base follows their club, and that's it, okay? The MLS fan base follows the Portland Timbers or Atlanta United, LAFC, Seattle Sounders. Those are the four clubs that really push the needle um, 
as far as a national audience, and even they are not doing that well right now, considering there's no other sports here in America. Okay, and I did notice it, mainstream sports fans don't even have MLS on their radar. The mainstream media is talking about the NBA being the first sport to come back. Major League Soccer is already back. NWSL has been back. They're not even on the radar for American media mainstream or American mainstream sports fans. They don't even know that this is going on for the most part. And these numbers tell that story. Now, um, the early morning kickoffs just do not push the needle. I put that in. It's Major League Soccer was hoping to program... Uh, it's it's viewer to tune into these early morning matches the way we would a Premier League match or even more so the way that this tournament is designed like a World Cup or a Euro and it's designed to get the viewer trained to watch football at these three time slots per day it's not working okay nobody's unless you're a diehard fan of the team that is playing nobody is setting their alarms for 9 a.m. or setting their DVRs for 9 a.m. to watch these matches it's just not happening. Um, many, uh, you know, MLS is not, is not getting the, those early morning viewers that the EPL and that the Bundesliga, the World Cup and the Euros have been able to get throughout the past, you know, number of years. And the, the other fact is MLS, I don't know if they understand this or if they're trying to just, if this is why they stay away from, from Mains why they stay away from your average football fan that's not an MLS fan. They're competing with Liga MX or in this case Copa Puerto Mexico, and they're and they're competing with European football. And it looks like they're not putting up a fight. They're not giving you any reason to switch that channel over to Major League Soccer. One thing, one problem I have with this league, okay, and I've watched a little bit of this, and you're gonna find that I, you know, I if you're a, a diehard MLS fanboy, this is not the podcast for you. Um, I hope that's not the case. I don't want to turn anyone away, but I think I'm going to anger you uh, over time with with my thoughts on this league. The first thing I cannot stand is turning this league on and every team looks the same. Everybody's wearing the same Adidas kit. You know, there's like two two different templates that each team falls under. And uh, it just it looks it looks tacky. It looks way too too fabricated, way too too, you know, pre preconceived way too much of a cookie cutter um, model for uniforms in this league. I don't like that. It really, it takes away from it. The other thing I hate, and I know the league is struggling for income and they need the advertising dollars, but that Adidas logo in the center circle looks way too much like they're trying to be like the NFL or the NBA. It looks tacky. It's a turnoff to any serious football fan. Yes, I guess that makes me a Euro snob. You know, if that's what you're saying, you know, perhaps that's the case. I'm not going to say that I'm not. I have watched European football my entire life since before there was Major League Soccer, okay? I have never entirely been happy with Major League Soccer. I'll be the first one to come on here, and and I will admit that. I remember the very first ever New England Revolution game on television, on local television, against Tampa Bay Mutiny on the road. I was disappointed that the team sucked first of all and they did. and I was disappointed with the way the league, the league was presented like a cartoon league these these ridiculous colored uniforms with over the top designs okay the picture the match was not shot like I was used to watching I had been watching football my whole life at this point I might have only been you know 12 years old or whatever when the league started 14 years old 
but I had been watching English football. I had been watching Serie A. I had been watching Portuguese football. And I've seen and I had seen World Cups already. And at 12 years old, I saw that this was not a major league. I could see that the production was not major league. Okay, these words might hurt some people's feelings, and I have hurt people's feelings in the past in my social media. People that I've come to know that work in the league or that are close to the league, and I don't mean this to to hurt feelings, but there is a definite drop in the. And when you're playing at a youth soccer park. Okay, it's bad enough that we have empty stadium football, but it has we've seen how to do it well. Now I know the COVID situation here in the United States is different than in some parts of Europe. And we can't have teams traveling around the United States. I totally get that. However, this playing in this park, okay, first of all the pitches are getting chewed up. Secondly, why are they shooting overhead showing you that you're in this giant park with all these other pitches? It looks like you're at a youth soccer tournament. And maybe I'm just being too too nitpicky and the MLS fan is probably going to find me nitpicky and I'm not the only one like this. You know, there's many of us, you know, football podcasters that have this this um this appeal and the fact that I use the word football over soccer is going to bother some people and trigger some people. I understand that, but I am who I am. I'm going to be myself and I'm going to give my honest opinion on my platform here. And I think Major League Soccer really has to think about the way they present their product. Uh, it is also telling that MLS's audience is larger on 2DNA than it is on Fox and ESPN most of the time. That that speaks volumes. It certainly speaks volumes of who's watching MLS. But when, you know... You're not hitting that English language mainstream audience. I watched I watched an entire match this week while I was at work here at my at my home office here. I watched Houston versus LAFC and it wasn't wasn't a bad match, but boy, and I like Tab Ramos. I think Tab Ramos is a fantastic coach. I have attended clinics that Tab Ramos has presented. I've met Tab Ramos. I thought he should have been named national team manager when 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 Greg Berhalter was selected. I thought that Tab Ramos got screwed. To be perfectly honest with you, but his team played scared in that second le- in that second half. They they came out with a three one lead over LAFC, an LAFC that does not feature. It does not feature their star player. Does not feature Carlos Vela, probably the best player in Major League Soccer. He's not playing. And the Houston Dynamo were scared. Tab's team came out scared. It was like from the first minute of the second half, they were playing to not lose. When they were ahead 3-1, to one, they didn't look to add to their lead. And they invited LAFC forward too much for my liking. And as a result, you know, they ended up drawing 3-3. Now, let's quickly go through the MLS is back standings before we take a break. And where we stand right now here on Sunday night, July the 18th, in Group A, Orlando City leads, and they're joint at the top with Philadelphia Union, both on six points. Inter-Miami and New York City FC, both with two defeats and both with zero points. So it will be 
Uh, it will be Philadelphia Union and Orlando City moving on from Group A. And Group B, the San Jose Earthquakes are top for now on four points. They've played two matches, while Chicago Fire are second with three points. They've only played one match, so they're, they've got a match to make up here. they got a match in hand. Seattle Sounders have one point from two matches, while Vancouver Whitecaps have no points through their first match. So they still will have to play their match day two um, matchup with Chicago Fire. We go to Group C. Toronto, our top of Group C joint with New England. Both teams on four points and with a plus one goal difference. Toronto with six goals scored versus New England's two goals scored. DC United are third with two points and Montreal Impact are bottom with no points that's through two matches so one match day to go in group C in group D everybody's at two points as well Real Salt Lake and Minnesota United share the top spot for now at four points Real Salt Lake ahead on goal difference by a goal uh, Sporting Kansas City are just one point back on three points and Colorado Rapids sit bottom with zero points group E Columbus Crew are top on six points with from two victories. Six goals for none against. New York Red Bulls and FC Cincinnati are behind them with three each. And the Red Bulls right now have the tiebreaker with a negative one goal difference to a negative three. But they do play each other in the final match of the group stage. So the winner of that match naturally will advance. And surprisingly, Atlanta United are bottom with zero points. We move to Group F, and the Portland Timbers are top with six points from two matches. And they're followed by LAFC, who have four. And Houston Dynamo, who we just spoke about, their their draw with LAFC earlier this week. They also have a loss there to Portland Timbers. And the bottom of the group is the LA Galaxy, who just took a 6-2 thumping from the hands of LAFC with one match day to go. So... Nobody is eliminated yet in that group. Oh, excuse me. No, LA Galaxy are eliminated. Houston Dynamo with an outside chance still of advancing if they can win by a lot of goals. So that's where MLS is back. Uh, Tournament Cup, whatever you want to call it, stands right now. Really quickly, before we take a break, I'm going to go over the TV ratings, like I said earlier, for the week from July 8th to the 13th. The top-ranked match was Sheffield United versus Chelsea on NBC with a total of 997,000 viewers between NBC and NBC Universo. The second-ranked match was Spurs-Arsenal, the North London Derby between NBCSN and Telemundo, combining for an audience of 865,000 viewers. Copa Por Mexico takes the third spot. It's the... The Mexico City rivals Club America Cruz Azul on Univision for a audience of 726,000. MLS back um, top spot is the fourth place match for the week. And it is New York Red Bulls versus Atlanta United. 639,000 viewers. And the next the next one is Liverpool Burnley with 597,000 on NBCSN and Universo. Chivas Mezlatan was next with 493,000. MLS's back is in the seventh spot 
Orlando City SC versus Inter Miami. ESPN and ESPN Deportes combined for 492,000. While Bournemouth Leicester City is next with 428,000 on NBCSN. Brighton Manchester City for on NBCSN and Universo combined for 420,000. And the 10th most watched match during that week was Aston Villa Manchester United, NBCSN and Universo combining for a total audience of 392,000. This is, of course, according to WorldSoccerTalk.com. All right, when we come back, we are going to get into the news and talk about the other things going on in the world of football uh, this week from around the football world, of course. This is the the Park in the Bus Soccer Podcast here on the PTB Soccer Network. Welcome back to Episode 4 of the Park in the Bus Soccer Podcast here on the PTB Soccer Network, where all episodes on the network now are ad-free for the first 30 days. Don't forget to follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. It's now time for the news, and we're going to start in Spain. The season has completed in Spain. All 38 rounds have been played, and we now know where everybody falls. And, of course, Real Madrid have returned to their throne. That's right. The Madridistas are back atop La Liga. The sangria is flowing in the streets of Madrid. No, actually it's not. The Madrid fans are very much responsibly practicing social distancing. This was big news this week as there was very little, if any, celebration in the ro- in the streets. And where there was, people were very well spaced out. Much different than the scenes we saw in Porto, Napoli, or Liverpool earlier in this, uh, this week and this summer as leagues have returned so let's run down la liga from 1 to 20 real madrid are the champions like we said 87 points barcelona second 82 points atleti and sevilla finishing in third and fourth both on 70 points those are the four teams headed to next year's uefa champions league europa league spots go to Villarreal and real sociedad also, the winner of the Copa del Rey will will also get a spot. So, um, I believe what's going on, and I could be wrong, and I should have double-checked this, but if Athletic Bilbao win the Copa del Rey, who they are playing Real Sociedad, if Athletic Bilbao win... Athletic Bilbao will go to the Europa League. If not, then Granada will take the final spot in the Europa League as Granada finish 7th on 56 points. Hetafe are right behind him in 8th on 54. Valencia ninth place. Disappointing for Los Che as they finish with 53 points. Osasuna are 10th. Athletic Bilbao are 11th. Levante are 12th. Real Valladolid are 13th. Ibar 14th. Real Betis in a disappointing 15th place considering the investment that that club put into the team. Deportivo Alaves are safe in 16th place on 39 points. Celta de Vigo, the kings of Galicia, will stay in the first division. They'll stay in La Liga as they finish 17th, one point up from the drop zone. Celta Vigo, 37 points. Leganes, unfortunately, in 18th, one point back with 36. They're going down. 
as is Mallorca in 19th place with 33 points. And Espanyol, the historic Club Real Espanyol, are dropping their last place on 25 points. And to England and to the EFL League Championship where a champion has been crowned with one round to play after a 16-year absence, a 16-year hiatus in the championship. Leeds United are returning to the Premier League and they are going up as champions. 90 points from 45 matches, one match to play. They are now eight ahead of West Bromwich Albion. Meaning that they cannot be caught. Leeds are the champions. Congratulations to Leeds. And how fitting that they are champions on the week that the world said goodbye to a Leeds legend, Jackie Charlton. Uh, Jackie is certainly smiling on his club and their return to the Premier League. Second place, West Brom. And third place, Brentford. West Brom have 82 points. Brentford, 81. So it's going to come down to the final day for the final, for that second place spot, the final automatic promotion spot. Well, the playoffs also have an interesting race going into the final day. Fourth place is Fulham on 80 points. And then there is a, and actually Fulham are still outsiders with an opportunity to steal that, that second promotion spot, that automatic promotion spot, if West Brom and Brentford both lose. Fulham can steal that spot with a win. Nottingham Forest are fifth. They have 70 points, as is Cardiff City. Three ahead of their Welsh rivals, Swansea City, for the final playoff spot. So let's take a look at what the fixtures will be on the final day. And before we do that, we'll look at the bottom of the table. As Hull City looking bleak right now, the former Premier League side are bottom on 45 points, and they are basically actually with their far <laughs> inferior goal difference. They will have to win by about 15 goals and hope that Charlton, Luton, and Barnsley all lose <laughs> on the final day. So Hull City are, for all intents and purposes, relegated to League One. Barnsley on 46. They need a victory and help on the last day. Luton Town and Charlton Athletic, 21st and 22nd respectively, on 48 points level. However, Charlton have a far superior goal difference. Charlton at negative 11 to Luton Town's negative 29. One of those clubs will certainly go down to League One. Let's look at the final round of fixtures in the championship. Okay, and it will be take place this coming Wednesday July the 22nd will be the final day of the EFL championship all right here is the fixture list all matches kicking off at 2:30 Eastern time here in the United States Birmingham City takes on Derby County Brentford takes on Barnsley Bristol City takes on Preston North End Cardiff takes on Hull Leeds United already champions taken on Charlton, who are hoping that Leeds will take their foot off the pedal, off the pedal, because Charlton need a win to hope to stay out of League One and to stay in the Championship. Luton Town, their direct rivals for that final spot, are home to Blackburn Rovers. Millwall host Huddersfield. 
Nottingham Forest hosts Stoke. Reading hosts Swansea. Middlesbrough traveled to Sheffield Wednesday. West Brom looking to earn and and sew up that final promotion spot, that automatic promotion spot. They host QPR and Wigan host Fulham. So next week, we will have an updated and final standings for the EFL Championship, and we will have a playoff picture starting next week. Now, also staying in England, the FA Cup semifinals took place this weekend. Yesterday, it was Arsenal defeating Manchester City 2-0 to advance to the final, and today it was Chelsea outclassing Manchester United to earn their spot in the final. So what happens now when we have, and we'll get into it in the Premier League when we talk about the standings in the Premier League a little bit later. Um, if Chelsea win the FA Cup, Chelsea already headed to Europe. Seventh place will earn that final Europa League spot, All right, which Wolves and Tottenham are right now fighting for. If Arsenal, 11th place Arsenal, I believe they're 11th place, win the FA Cup final, they'll steal that final spot in the Europa League. Moving on, we're now going to Mexico. It is the Copa Port Mexico, and we are in the final stages now of that competition. Um, it was like a mini MLS's back cup kind of, kind of uh, format. It was the Copa Port Mexico. And that tournament is at its final. That's right. The final will kick off tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So we had two semifinals earlier this week. On the 15th of July, we had Cruz Azul taking on Tigres at the Universitario Olimpico Stadium in Mexico City, site of the 1968 Olympics. Cruz Azul won. Tigres won. Goals from Lichnovsky and Quinones. The match would go to penalty kicks. Uh, Cruz Azul, Caraglio would miss. Gignac for Tigres would score. Next round, Alexis Gutierrez would would score for Cruz Azul. While Quinones, the goal scorer in regular time, would miss his penalty. 1-1 after 2. Aldrete would miss for Cruz Azul. Duenas would score for Tigres, making it 2-1 after 3. Peñera and Salcedo each score. So it's 2-3 going into the fourth shot. And Jonathan Rodriguez would score for Cruz Azul. While Rafael, Rafael Carioca misses for Tigres. Tying it up into the final shot. And Dominguez scores for Cruz Azul. Pizarro misses for Tigres. And Cruz Azul advance to the final of the Copa por Mexico. They will face Chivas Guadalajara. As they had a shootout the following night. Also in the Universitario. Guadalajara 4. Club America 3. Chivas goals by Masias, Vega, Zalvidar and Brizuela. While America had goals from Viñas, Cordova and Ibarguen. However, it would be the GOATs that would move on. Chivas, a bit of an upset given their form in the last couple of championships. But... Going for this this final, this Copa Puerto Mexico final that is supposed to catapult Me Mexican football into their opportunity season shortly in the next couple of weeks. We have Cruz Azul taking on Chivas tonight. The match, of course, is on Univision and Tudiene. 
And um, we will talk about this. We'll cover this. And next week, we'll talk about the winner of Copa por México. And we're going to move to Brazil now. Earlier this week, we had the final, the second leg of the Carioca Championship, the state championship of Rio de Janeiro. If you follow the other PTV soccer podcasts, especially Mr. Benfica, which you're saying, why would Mr. Benfica have anything to do with it? Well, that's because you know now Flamengo wins the Carioca title. Beating Fluminense 3-1 on aggregate, winning 1-0 on the night at the Maracanã Wednesday night. And I had quite the time trying to view this match. Um, just days before the kickoff, it was announced that Brazilian channel SBT, that network, had gained television rights to the match. Meaning I knew I would not, I would probably not find it on Fla TV on YouTube uh, I was able to watch the first leg, which was Fluminense's home leg, even though it was in the same stadium, on Flu TV, which is Fluminense's YouTube channel. However, um, it was advertised that Flat TV would would simulcast the match on YouTube. So kickoff time comes. You know, I had the the pregame up, of course. Flamengo's manager George Zuz, this is where Mr. Benfica comes in, was already rumored to be on his way to my Benfica at this point, and as you know. If you follow the Jata Jata Carioca podcast, if you speak Portuguese, um, you know that I follow Flamengo as well. So my two worlds were colliding here. And um, unfortunately, I could not get a match because when I clicked to Flat TV or when kickoff time came, a message on the screen appeared saying that the rights holder has not approved <laughs> broadcast to your country or something along those lines. So, you know what I had to do? I had to go to... I went to Coluna F uh, Flamengo, a different YouTube channel, and I l watched... Literally, this is this is great stuff. A camera, literally a cell phone camera on a commentator up in the top of the Maracanã, overlooking the pitch. Couldn't see any of the players, really. I could see one of the goals and the goalie standing in it, and that's about it as he did play-by-play. -play. Um, I did finally, as of today, Sunday... Um, the match is now available in its entirety, courtesy of ST SBT, on their uh, YouTube channel. So I will be watching that again before I record the next Jata Jata Carioca. But it was it was an it was a fulfilling one nil victory for Flamengo. But it was a goodbye to Jorge Jesus as the next on Friday, two days later. The club officially announced that he had exercised a, a right in his contract, an exit clause, to leave Flamengo and to take over at Benfica. This became worldwide news. And now Flamenguistas, Flamengo fans, the the nation, are very, very worried that he is going to take a, uh, several elements of the team that conquered South America last year with him back to Portugal. We'll wait and see what happens. But... The future of the club now is in doubt because George Jesus has taken his entire seven-man crew of assistant coaches and staff with him to Benfica. In other news, IFAB has approved five substitutes for the 2020-2021 the season. This now pens approval from UEFA, Comnibal, CONCACAF, etc. and all of the national FAs. 
We're going to go back to England now and to the FA Premier League where the story now in the Premier League, now that the, the title has been decided, is the race for Europe as well as the rele the relegation race. But the biggest story, I think, is for that final Europa League spot. It is Wolves inching closer to qualifying for the Europa League with a 3-0 win over Everton. However, er to, uh, yesterday... Tottenham, or earlier today, I should say, Tottenham pick up a 3-0 win of their own. Tottenham now sit in sixth place with the match, extra, uh, with an additional match. So Wolves have a match in hand. They are two points behind. Wolves play Crystal Palace tomorrow, Monday the 20th. If they win, they'll go into the final match day with a one-point advantage for that final Europa League spot. Which, of course, could put Tottenham Hotspur in a very familiar spot of rooting against Arsenal. When Arsenal, as we said, take on Chelsea in the FA Cup final. That's because if Chelsea, who are currently third, uh, lose... I'm sorry, if Chelsea win the FA Cup, then that 7th place spot now becomes a Europa League spot. And this chase for that 6th place becomes all for naught. But it is an interesting dynamic where you have Jose Mourinho... And his Tottenham Hotspur chasing Jose's former backup goalkeeper, NES Nunes Espirito Santo, and his Wolves side for that final spot. It's quite the the story, and um, also a little a little uh, a little additive to the story is Wolves are also still alive in the current edition of the Europa League. If they get through their second leg with Olympiacos. Uh, they'll be into the quarterfinals, and once you get to the quarterfinals, it's a single elimination tournament. Wolves have, as I've said, as good a chance as any to lift the Europa League title and find themselves with a rare opportunity to get into the Champions League next year. So we'll see what happens. There's some exciting stuff coming in the coming weeks from England. All right, let's go through the standings really quickly. We know that Liverpool are the champions. City are a mile ahead in second, so there's nothing's going to happen there. Chelsea right now holding down third. They have a one-point lead over Leicester City, who lost today to Tottenham. As I said, they were 3-0 losers to Tottenham. So right now, Chelsea holds third place with a match in hand on Leicester as well. Leicester fourth. United are fifth. United and Leicester both are on 62 points. United has a match in hand. And as we said, Tottenham right now holding on to sixth place um, by two points, but with one match more played. Wolves are seventh for now, while Sheffield United are eighth. They have 54, and it looks like uh, they have an outside chance. It's, it's a very long shot, but they have an outside chance of getting uh, sixth or even seventh place if seventh place becomes a Europa League spot. Burnley also on 54, but with one match more played, Burnley have one match left to play. Arsenal are 10th with 53 points. 11th are Southampton, 12th Everton, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, West Ham, and Brighton uh, round out the spots that are pretty much safe from relegation. Well, right now in 17th, you have Watford on 34 points, three points clear of Aston Villa, who have 31, and two matches to play, while Bournemouth are 19th with 31, thir uh, one match left to play, and already relegated 21 points is Norwich City. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we get back, we're going to Italy to check in on Serie A here on the Park and the Bus Soccer Podcast.
This is the Park in the Bus Soccer Podcast and Benevenuto. A Serie A. We're back and we're going to Italy now. And it is a story of its own as while Juventus <laughs> Juventus are, are are slipping and Maurizio Sarri is on the hot seat, nobody else really wants to take the title from them. That's right. As, as teams are just dropping points everywhere right now. Let's uh, go through some results this past week. We're going to start with Monday. This is a tough, this league's tough to keep up with because they play more than one round a league, excuse me, one round a week. And every time I write, when I write this show on Friday, planning it for Monday, that's the first mistake because everything has changed since Friday. The standings have changed and the story has changed. So, Let's just start with the results going back to Monday, July the 13th. Inter, 3-1 winners over Torino. On Tuesday, you had Atalanta with a a massive 6-2 victory over Brescia, putting themselves into second place at that time. Bologna, 1-1 draw at home to Napoli. Milan with a 3-1 victory over Parma at the San Siro. Sampdoria, 3-0 winners at home to Cagliari. Lecce lose again. They lose 1-3 at home to Fiorentina. While Paulo Fonseca's Roma side were, was victorious again. 2-1 over Elas Verona. And then the match I spent quite a bit of time watching on that day. It was Sassuolo 3. Juventus 3. As Juve La Vecchia Signora drop two more points. But... On the same day, the team that was chasing them at the time, Lazio, unable to capitalize as they dropped two points of their own on the road at Udinese. Um, Now we move to the 16th of July, and you got Torino winning 3-0 at home to Genoa, and Spal getting thumped 4-0 at home by Inter. We move to yesterday, Saturday's matches. Now the standings start to change. Elis Verona 1, Atalanta 1. Atalanta falls out of second place with that result. Cagliari 1, Sassuolo 1. Milan 5, Bologna 1. And then today's matches, they finished kicking off just a few hours. I mean, they finished the final whistles blew just a few hours ago. Parma 2, Sampdoria 3, Brescia 1, Spa, sorry, Brescia 2, Spal 1. Fiorentina 2, Torino 0, Genoa 2, Lecce 1, Napoli 2, Udinese 1, Roma 2, Inter 2. And that is where we stand tomorrow. We have Juventus versus Lazio in a massive match that could decide the end of the season. But let's take a look now at the table as most teams have played 34 matches with the exception of Lazio and Juventus. Juventus are top of the table with 77 points right now. 24 victories, 5 draws, and 4 defeats. Inter have moved into second. They've played one match more than Juventus, but they're 5 points back now. The closest they have been in a long time. They have 72. Atalanta drop to third. They have 71. They are 6 points back. While Lazio are looking to leapfrog them and get back even with Inter in second place. Lazio have 69 points. They're going to be looking to to beat 
Juventus tomorrow. If they can do that, they'll they'll shrink the lead to five points with what will then be four matches left to play in the Serie A. And those are the four Champions League spots, while in fifth, Roma right now have 58 points in a in a Europa League spot, while Napoli already qualified for the Europa League through the Coppa Italia are sixth. They have 56 points, as does Milan trying to hold on. And they look to be in a safe distance. Eight points clear of eighth place Sassuolo. Elis Verona are ninth. Bologna, tenth. Cagliari, eleventh. Fiorentina, twelfth. Sampdoria, thirteenth. Parma, fourteenth. Torino, Udinese, and Genoa round out the teams above the relegation zone. Genoa are four points clear for now. 18th place is Lecce on 29 points. And also going down right now is Breccia. And they are five points back of Lecce. So they are, Breccia are nine points from safety right now. They're 19th on 24 points. And Spal are bottom of the table, all but relegated. 19 points. They sit 14 which they are now relegated because they are 14 points back from safety and only 12 points remaining to be had in the season. All right, Atalanta tr- was chasing with Lazio and Inter dropping, but results in the weekend have changed that around while Roma moved closer to guaranteeing a Europa League spot. The relegation battle, as we just said, is heating up. The story right now is Immobile and Ronaldo running after the Golden Boot and... The 35-year-old Portuguese superstar is looking to add another piece of personal silverware, looking to add another goal-scoring title from another league to his resume. Now, he is the first Juventus player to score 25 goals in one season. And right now, Ciro Immobile is top of of the goal-scoring race with 29. Ronaldo one back with 28. And Romelu Lukaku is third with 21. So realistically, it's going to be Ronaldo or it's going to be Immobile that will win the Golden Boot in the Calcio in Serie A. While the assists lead right now belongs to Alejandro Gomez of Atalanta. He's got 16 assists. Luis Alberto of Lazio has 14, while Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma has 9. Alexis Sanchez of Inter has 8, as does Ciro Immobile. Uh, so 29 goals and eight assists for Immobile, making a uh, he's making a a statement for the player of the year, even in a league that features Cristiano Ronaldo, because statistically he is beating them both in goals and assists. So even if he drops the goal scoring uh, race, he does have assists to fall back on, and he has an argument to be made that he is the player of the year. And that is Italy right now. So. We'll see what happens tomorrow in that Juve-Lazio match. Let's quickly turn the page to Serie B. Three rounds left to play in Serie B. And Benevento are champions and promoted already. They've got 80 points. They have an 18-point lead on second place. Crotone in Italy. First and second are automatic promotion spots, while third through eighth are playoff spots. So third right now is Spezia on 56 points. Pordenone are fourth on 55. Frosnione are fifth on 53. Cittadella are sixth on 52. Salner- Salnerditana are seventh. 
My wife is going to kill me with my mispronounced uh, Italian here. Our seventh on 51. Pisa right now has the final uh, playoff spot in eighth place on 50 points. They're two ahead of Empoli, who are ninth. Chievo Verona is 10th. Uh, Virtus Intella is 11th. Ascoli is 12th. Cremonese is 13th. Venezia is 14th. Perugia is 15th. And now being relegated as of right now with three rounds to play. This one saddens me because this is my wife's family's somewhat hometown team. Even though none of them support this team. I I feel for them. It's Pescara who were just in Serie A a few seasons ago. They're 16th. They're only one point from safety, however, as they're level on points with Perugia for that final spot. And it is a playoff spot, I believe, if they go down. It's a promotion playoff that they would play with the second uh with the Serie C um, qualifiers. Juve Stabia are 17th on 41. Cosenza are 18th on 37. Trampani are 19th. And Livorno, remember them when they were in Serie A? Well, they're going to be going down to Serie C next season. Three matches to play. They are on 21 points. 14 points from 19th. And an unbelievable 21 points from Safety. That wraps up Italy for this week. We'll check back in, of course, next week as the title and relegation spots and Europa League spots continue to be battled for. And we'll also check in, of course, with Seti B as we move closer and closer to figuring out who will be promoted. We'll take one more break here and we will visit the match of the week. It was the EFL League One. Playoff final, promotion playoff final. It was Wickham Wanderers and Oxford United. And we'll talk about that right after this break here on the PTB Soccer Network. This is the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast. And welcome back to the final segment of Parking the Bus Podcast, episode number four. That, of course, means that we are at the match of the week. All right, and as you remember from last week, the match of the week is the League One promotion playoff final. Oxford United versus Wickham Wanderers at Wembley Monday night, 6.30 London time. And the starting the starting 11 for Oxford United in goal was Simon Eastwood. Four across the back, Sam Long on the right, Robert Dickey, and Elliot Moore in the center with Josh Ruffles down the left. Mark Sykes, Alex Gorin, and Cameron Brannigan are the three-man midfield uh, team, while three in attack, James Henry on the right, Matt Taylor in center, and Marcus Brown down the left. They took on a team also coming out in a 4-3-3. That's, of course, Garrett Ainsworth's Wickham Wanderers, Ryan Alsop is the goalkeeper, Jack Grimmer, Anthony Stewart, Darius Charles, and Joe Jacobson across the back. Matt Bloomfield, Dominic Gape, and Namidi Okaforth in the midfield with Fred Onedima, Alex Samuel, and David Wheeler up front. So the match ends up being. 2-1, to one, two Wickham Wanderers, and for the first time in that club's long, long 100-plus year history, Wickham Wanderers are going to the championship, or the second division, whatever you want to call it, division two, the championship, whatever that level has been called throughout the history of, of English football, Wickham Wanderers are making their first 
appearance, their first journey into those those uncharted waters behind the guidance of Gareth Ainsworth. Now, the story of the match afterwards was on social media. It was attacker Adebayo Akinfenwa was substituted in in the 62nd minute. This is a big boy. Those of us here in the United States would say he looks more like a middle linebacker in the NFL, but he's got good feet. He's 36. I believe he's 36 or 38 years old. Let's pull him up right now. I'll tell you exactly. He is... That's not what I clicked on. One moment. I really don't like this website sometimes. I do believe he's 38 years old, and he is... Here we are. We're back here. My apologies on that one. And he is a diehard Liverpool fan. And I'm not sure how this was set up, but he ends up getting a what's up me- uh, WhatsApp message from none other than Jorgen Klopp. <laughs> Inv- uh, congratulating him after the match. He's being in, he's being interviewed post-match, and you can see someone hands him a phone, and he's got a WhatsApp message from his idol, Jurgen Klopp. And we found out a day later that Klopp actually um, invites him to, your, uh, to Liverpool's championship or Premier League championship uh, parade. So a great way for this player who is, you know, Advanced in age in, in football terms. Here I have him. Adebayo Akinfanwa is English. He is 38 years old, a right-footed center forward. He ha- Let's look at his career stats. He has played for quite a few. Uh, he's played in quite a few levels. He's played in League 1 and League 2. He's never played in the championship. It'll be interesting to see whether or not he continues with Wickham Wanderers on this promotion. This would, It'd be something for a 38-year-old who will turn 39 to go and debut in the championship, but he is a diehard Liverpool fan, like we said, and the the goals in this match were scored by the first goal was scored by Anthony Stewart in the ninth minute for Wickham. Uh, Oxford would level at 57 minutes by Mark Sykes, assisted by James Henry. But in the 79th, 11 minutes from time, Wickham would earn a penalty and Joe Jacobson would finish the penalty. He would slot it away. He'd earn himself a Man of the Match uh, award as well. And even though Oxford appeared to be the better team, Oxford statistically better. Their their play was more attractive to the eye. At the end of the day, and Wickham were the first to tell you the only thing they care about was the result. And Wickham get the result. Wickham on their way to the championship, the big time, if you will, and um, absolutely ecstatic. Their fa- their supporters must be. In that small city. All right, this week, this upcoming week's match of the week. All right, it's going to be on Wednesday. It's in the we're staying in England. It is in the Premier League. It is Chelsea Liverpool, and the reason I'm picking this match is because Chelsea is in a three-team battle for two Champions League spots. Liverpool are already the champions, but playing for pride. And, uh, of course, it's a big rivalry match. Jurgen Klopp versus Frank Lampard. Um, obviously, we also have an American uh, interest in the matches as Chris, uh, Christian Pulisic is playing for Chelsea, of course. We'll hope to see him get some minutes. But we'll see if Chelsea can pull away from Un- from Manchester United and Leicester City or if they can be pulled back by the other two clubs as we move closer and closer to the finish line in the 
English Premier League. That's going to do it for Episode 4. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino signing off, and I will see you next week once again, next Sunday night, here on the PTB Soccer Network for another episode of the Park in the Bus Soccer Podcast. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy your football this week, and we'll be back next week to talk more football. There's lots going on. Enjoy the week. has been a production of the PTB Soccer Network. For more information, you can go to our Instagram page at PTB Soccer or visit us at www.anchor.fm forward slash PTB Soccer, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network.